One of the new hottest technologies in the front-end ecosystem is Next.js. Why is it so awesome and what can you use it for? In this episode, we'll be talking all about it. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. Vonage is a cloud communications platform that allows developers to integrate voice, video, and messaging into their applications using their communication APIs. Whether you're wanting to build video calls into your app, create a Facebook bot, or build applications on top of programmable phone numbers, you'll have all the tools you need. Use promo code LADYBUG for 10 euro of free credit when signing up at vonage.dev ladybug. Again, that's promo code LADYBUG for 10 euro of free credit. Are you developing an application with GraphQL but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're building a GraphQL backend and you're overwhelmed with boilerplate code and performance problems. Save yourself time and effort and check out the Grand Stack. The Grand Stack consists of four technologies that capture the best of modern web application development. GraphQL, React, Apollo, and Neo4j database, the most widely used graph database. Together, they enable developers to build complex, data-intensive applications at scale with graphs all the way down by leveraging GraphQL. To get started with GrandStack, use the latest version of the Create GrandStack app CLI and download the free Manning ebook, Full Stack GraphQL Applications, at grandstack.io. So Next.js is a technology I've been using a ton recently. It's kind of become my go-to if I'm going to use React, like for years, Create React App was my default. If I was going to build a React App, I would go to Create React App. But now Next has kind of taken that place for me. So it's a meta framework. And we've had this discussion on the podcast before of what is a library versus what is a framework. And a library is something that adds new features so that you have to reuse less code. So something like jQuery would clearly, would clearly fit into the definition of a library, whereas a framework is something that defines how your code is structured. And so something like Ruby on Rails very much falls into frameworks. And there's always been this debate of whether React and Vue and the similar have or fall into the library or framework category. React calls itself a library, but a lot of developers are like, well, it really does define how you write your front-end code, so maybe it falls into a framework. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a debate that I like to have. I think that it's a little bit pedantic and doesn't really yeah. matter. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, big, yeah, just putting that <laughs> kind of framing there. But... There has been all of these frameworks that are built on top of React or on top of another one of these front-end library framework, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> so right. wow. some of the ones that you may have heard of would be Gatsby, which we actually did the original Ladybug site in, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, oh, that was a fun fact. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, we, we definitely decided to move off of it, but... Gatsby was pretty hot for a while. I, I used to use it for a lot of sites. Kelly and Sydney, did you too? Yeah, I actually did my first headless commerce site on Gatsby. No, I actually haven't done anything specifically on Gatsby. I've been in 
the angular world for so long and it's always just something that like it's either working perfectly or it's like not working and so now I'm like slowly making that transition to react so this is super great I'm gonna have a ton of questions for you guys and I'm going to direct every single question to Allie (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so we've talked a little bit about Gatsby before on the show as well I think we went through like a really big honeymoon phase with it like a bunch of us did on the podcast (laughs) and again at the time it was the only thing really out there like it and then a lot of alternatives kind of came out and maybe highlighted some of the things that I like less about Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, and this isn't a show to rag on Gatsby or anything like that, because I think that it set cool precedents for what the front end ecosystem is evolving to be. But there are a bunch of these meta frameworks now. And so you may have heard of Nuxt, which Kelly really likes. And so we'll be yep. bringing that into the conversation throughout this show. There's also Remix, which is one that is created by the founders of um, React Router. And it's closed source and in beta. Beta. Right beta. Now. <laughs> beta. <laughs> I oh, just okay. <laughs> totally mispronounced that. But it's not fully fully fledged yet, but it's something that's kind of exciting in this similar space. And then another one that I've heard great things about is Toast, which I haven't used personally, but I know a I lot do of people like talk about. Oh, really? I mean, the food. Oh, toast. the food. Okay. What? <laughs> oh, I was yes. like, you were like, toast. What leading is- edge, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Not the food toast. What is the other toast? <laughs> it's another one of these Jamstack meta frameworks, but I believe that it's like built on top of Rust. And I'm not sure how that completely fits in, but it sounds really cool. And I know people are talking about it and really liking it. So I just wanted to put that out there as like it being in the ecosystem, even though I don't know too much about it personally. But I might, this, I might oh, yeah. link to this post in our show notes, but it's just, a, it's called, a, it's on dev. It's a bite of toast, the new Jamstack meta framework. But what makes me laugh is it has a quote that says current stability status, somewhere between a yeet and a YOLO. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to read that. Definitely. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. It was a new repo. I'll link to the toast repo as well. Awesome. The best place to stack your jam. <laughs> Love it. I love all these like jam sack references. Oh. I think it's God, so funny how like punny the jam can be fit into things. I know. It's like so dad jokey. Just I'm shaking my head right now, guys. Just like it creeps me out and it makes me laugh all the same. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just what's going on here? So what if we dig into the developer experience a little bit of, of what it's like to use next? Yeah, so there's a lot of really, really nice things built into Next that aids in React development. And I was saying that originally when you wrote React, so I've been writing React before ES6 was out. So before there was even like classes built into JavaScript, I was writing React code. And so I way back in my day, way back in my day, (laughs) uh, you had to write your like Webpack config from scratch yourself every time. And it was a nightmare. And so you writing React code required a ton of work instead of just like jQuery, which you could 
link the script tag and it, it was done, right? You had it included. With React, you had to build in a build process and set that up yourself. And Webpack configs were the bane of my existence back in like 2015, 2016. I don't think anybody enjoyed doing a Webpack yeah, config. that sounds horrible. No, it was a nightmare. It was an utter mm-hmm. nightmare. And then I think in like 2017, 2018, I found out about Create React app. And what Create React app did, what, or does, Create React app is still amazing. I still use it so often. But it generates that Webpack config for you. It generates all your starter files for you. It has your development server, all of those things that you need to write an app that you you start to configure yourself. Create React app does that for you. So great. And then Next.js is almost an evolution of that, where it has that same experience of writing your Webpack config and all that for you, but it also has static and server-side rendering, which we'll talk a lot about in this show. But a static site rendering, is it's going to make it essentially so that your end user is using has like HTML delivered to them instead of a site that's written purely in JavaScript, which is really, really nice. And it's going to make it so that your site is more performant. We've talked about this before on the show that anytime you load JavaScript onto a page, that's a performance hit for your end user. And if they are in an area where they maybe don't have great cell phone service or Wi-Fi or something along that, that those lines that can be a really bad experience for them. And so having this static site rendering makes it so that it's going to be a lot more performant for them to use it. But you can still use React as a development tool because React makes your development experience better, at least in my opinion, than writing a site in just HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript, right? Oh, 100%. I think it also makes the site more accessible as well. absolutely. So also a win. Yes, yeah, and SEO as well. Yeah. So all of these reasons are great why you might not want to use React, but it's still really nice as a developer to write React. So using uh, React like much less than like having to use like Next maybe or just like some of these other like fun tools maybe. Yeah. And then it also has server-side rendering, which is really cool. And Back in the day, we used to do server-side rendering with templating languages like EJS or Handlebars or like ERB if you were in Ruby. Let me Uh, take a minute to like throw up because you said EJS uh, and now I'm thinking like, what is it? JSP2? Like, for Java. Gross. (laughs) We're still using that right now. So I'm just like, what? No. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially, those would allow you to plug variables into your HTML. So HTML by default is like static. Like you can't write dry HTML. That's always something that I used to say to my students that they would, you know, write some code and try to like write dry HTML. And we'd be like, that's not a thing. You can't do that. You have to write all the HTML from scratch. That's just how HTML works. But using something like EJS or something along those lines would allow you to get data from your server, plug that data into that HTML template, and then render it to that end user. You could also do some things like loops and things like that. Um, But again, they're not the most developer-friendly thing that I've ever used in my life. And (laughs) I think we're even like groaning about talking about them. But (laughs) they did serve their purpose, for sure. But 
You can do something similar with Next.js where you have these variables that you plug in and it's rendered on the server instead of in the client. So that's again going to make your site more performant. Okay. But you can use React for it. That's so dope. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is really dope. Like I'm definitely like after this, I'm going to start playing around with it on my GitHub page. So (laughs) very glad that we're going to have this, uh, their GitHub page and their documentation in the show notes, guys. This is some pretty cool stuff. It's amazing. The developer experience is so great. The other thing that I really love about it is routing. So React Router is great. React Router allows you to do single-page routing within a React app or a client-side routing. So it's just in the browser rather than using a server to, to create different pages for your website. And so React Router is great, but you do have to write kind of a little bit of boilerplate code, and you have to create these routes and all of that. Well, Gatsby, which we've been talking about a little bit, allows you to just create a file and Gatsby transforms that file into a route for you. So you could make like about.js and that'll make it so that you can go to your website and slash about and whatever's in that React file will render on that page. And Next.js does this as well. It is so nice to work with. You can just create like about.js and write a React component in there, and that's your about page. You don't need to create all of these like routes with different components that render or anything like that. It is a huge pain. I, for whatever reason, when we started rebuilding the Taproom site, we it's a view site because we use Vue over React. Um, we decided not to use Nuxt for it for some reason, or yeah. one of the developers decided not to use Nuxt. And I'm like looking at all the routes that he's creating in this, and I'm like, my eyes are just like not happy at the moment. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Though it might get rewritten again. It's okay. It hasn't launched yet. So that's all right. I don't know. Oh that's what gosh. these types of sites are for. Yeah. Is there like a difference, do you know, in the performance of how like Gatsby does with routes uh, compared to Next at all? It depends on if you use the static side or the static site rendering or mm-hmm. you use the server side rendering mm. when these pages are built. If you're building a static site, the pages are built at build time. So you when okay. you run npm run build or whatever the command is to build your site, that is when the pages are actually created. Nice. Super nice. Yes. Server side rendering, I think it performs a little bit differently. That one dynamic routing would be created for those server side. Okay, that, that makes sense. sense. It does sound like it'll take a little bit more time like for both for server side. So, I mean, again, guys, if you're looking to kind of figure out what you're wanting to use, like make sure that you're doing your comparisons, make sure that you're looking at the documentation and stuff. So, yeah. Building full-stack applications can sometimes be overwhelming with so many different technologies to think about. Livestreams are a great way to see how the pieces fit together by joining other developers as they build applications from scratch. The Neo4j Livestream features developers building applications with technologies like GraphQL, React, Vue, Graph Algorithms, Gatsby, Next.js, Golang, TypeScript, Data Visualization, and much more. You'll see how a graph database fits into modern development workflows and how other developers tackle problems like authorization, cloud deployments, data import, and analytics, covering how to use the technologies needed to build and deploy full-stack applications. 
Follow Neo4j on Twitch or YouTube to join the regular Neo4j live streams focused on building full stack applications and graph data science. Okay, one huge thing about developer experience that I want to highlight is error messages. I think nothing breaks developer experience, like error messages that point to the wrong place or they are unrelated to the error that's actually happening. Like I think we've all spent too many times as developers working off of an error message that makes no sense or looking to try to fix something that wasn't actually broken because the error message was pointing us to the wrong place. It's like one of the most annoying pieces of being a developer, I think. It's also annoying when you encounter somebody else's site that just has terrible error messaging. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was removing myself from a bunch of Facebook groups last night. And I think like for every like every fifth group that I had left, I was in way too many groups. Um, I was seeing like this, like an error an error has occurred. And that was the heading. And then the message was like, there was an error. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So I guess funny. for Facebook it might confuse people though. On so. Facebook? like so many websites do this too like something's broken on their end and they're like oh you might be offline make sure that you're not offline like no it's it's your problem like you need to fix it i promise i'm online yeah (laughs) server Um, it's you but why i bring this up is i want to give the biggest shout out to next for this because they have great error messages the logs point you to where the error is they have syntax highlighting of the lines of code that may have an error in them. And in my experience, those error messages have been descriptive. They have pointed to what is actually the error and they've gotten you very close to fixing it. There are also warnings for things that you probably should fix but aren't necessarily breaking your code. So I really really enjoy this piece of it. And I know that it's something that has broken my developer experience with some other similar frameworks. So I definitely wanted to put that on the radar that it's done really, really well with Next. Yeah, I agree. It's the same with Nuxt as well. Um, I like that, you know, it'll it'll warn you like, hey, you're referencing a prop that you never actually defined or things like that, where it doesn't actually break anything, but that was a really good warning. Um, and then, yeah, the error messaging of being able to point to actually where the error exists is, it saves developers a lot of time. Oh, it so does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And amazing. there are so many tools that don't <laughs> do that, too. So it's... <laughs> most don't. Most don't. So... Having that built in is so nice. Um, Another thing that I want to shout out for developer experience is the documentation. So the documentation is really great. And they have a getting started guide that actually has interactive quiz questions as you go. And in teaching lessons, I've talked or teaching episodes, I've talked about checks for understanding, which is when you... Make sure that you learn something by quizzing yourself or somebody else quizzing you if you're in a classroom. And they have this built in. So you have to answer trivia questions at the end of each section in this getting started guide. And as a teacher, I'm like, this is amazing. Why do more people not do this? Because you're really having to read and making sure that you are grasping what they're telling you in these different sections of the documentation. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking at this right now, actually on the website. This is incredible. This would have been so much easier and just like faster to learn with some of the other like 
frameworks that I had been working on previously, like with Node and just, oh, just Angular. Like that would have been so nice if I had had something <laughs> with this with Angular. Don't even get me started, guys. Oh my goodness. The the <laughs> superheroes. Isn't uh, there, there a whole getting started guide superheroes and it has been since something. Angular 1? Yeah. <sighs> just... I, I don't want to be that person, but yeah, it makes me sad. It really does. It isn't. I don't feel like that for my learning style. It's that great. So I would be much more interested in learning like how Next does more of their documentation as I go along. So there's that hot take. <laughs> this is really cool. This is really cool. Yeah. Isn't it? I feel like everyone right? should do this. So if you're in charge of writing documentation, even as like a fun thing to add like it's just fun a fun little interactive piece yeah. you can see how many people are like landing on the page and actually interacting with the questions yeah yeah it's such a great tool i think nuxt has really great experience oh, yeah. in that that um realm as well debbie o'brien i think she's in charge of their developer advocacy and developer education mm-hmm. she is super great we can link some of her social links in the show notes but she's she's really awesome and so i'm sure I, everything i've experienced on nuxt's learning paths are great as well nice yeah i i completely agree and and i think that their documentation is open source and so they let anybody contribute to it and they actually list the names of the contributors I, I'm one of those contributors to Next. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's me. <laughs> no, I, I just added a guide for deploying to AWS Amplify, which is the product that I work on at work. Fancy. That's still awesome. Like, hype yourself up for that, man. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> no, it's, it's so not funny. just something. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, we have touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on the fact that you can choose between static site generation or server-side rendering. So you can choose when you are building and deploying your site which path you want to go down. Let's talk about the difference. So static site generation is going to fetch all your data at build time. So when you run npm run build or whatever, it's going to create your pages. It's going to plug the data into your pages when you are doing that build step. So that is the static site generation. This is amazing if you have a documentation site, if you have a portfolio site that doesn't change a lot, if you have a blog that you are pushing new blog posts to or something along those lines. A site without a huge amount of interaction with data that stays pretty consistent. The other option is server-side rendering. And this is going to fetch your data on each request. So your page is going to be rendered on the server every single time your user makes a request to a page. And this is really helpful if you have a website with more dynamic data. So maybe something that's more e-commerce focused um, where things are changing on a more regular basis. You know, I'm going to be entirely honest, and I get these two confused all the time. I just think they're the letters are too close to each other. Yeah. Yeah, the letters are very similar. I'm glad SSR, that you said SSG. something I, I, I do as well. <laughs> There's almost a little bit of shame going, like, with that, but I'm glad that you also admitted that. <laughs> There's no shame in it. Honestly, like, in the world of e-commerce, we yeah. spend, it, it's it's like acronym hell. There are oh, so gosh. many things between like AOV, CAC, uh, <laughs> CTV, LTV. Like they're they're all very like 
close to each other. And so getting two acronyms that are literally one letter difference is not something to be ashamed of. Okay. I I feel better about that. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, acronyms are so hard in general. SSR. Also, I just made up CTV. That's not actually an acronym. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Look at you making up shit on here. What's going on now? You could do like LTV and CLTV, which is lifetime value and customer lifetime value, which are basically the same. But like CAC is customer acquisition cost or CRC, customer retention. Well, CTV is Canadian news. So there we go. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not e commerce, but it is a thing. (laughs) But it is a thing. Yeah. You're correct. (laughs) I think CRC is also made up. So Mm. we'll just, I'm just thinking of acronyms now. You can have different (laughs) permutations of different letters and they mean, mean different things. What's next on our list? Yeah. Both of those are really, really helpful. Um, and, it does change the way that you deploy your app pretty significantly, whether you use static site generation or server-side rendering. If you use something like SSG, so the static site, you can deploy to a static site host. So AWS, AWS Amplify Console, Vercel, Netlify, uh, even GitHub Pages, it's a really simple site, so you could deploy it pretty much anywhere. Um, and it's just front end, so you can use front end hosting. Very, very much supported by pretty much any front end hosting provider. Um, in contrast, server side rendering is a little bit more complex and something that you have to do a little bit more to deploy. So there are different options for this. Vercel who has written Next.js, they have a deployment platform so that you can deploy with SSR pretty straightforwardly. Or you can set up any sort of server to deploy it. So the serverless framework has deployment mechanisms so that you can deploy to something like AWS. You could deploy to something like Heroku, but you do need to deploy to something that has a server instead of just hosting your static site. I see. So That's it's a little bit more complex. Nice. You get some really awesome features from doing that, but it's not necessarily just NPM run build and then you have this site up in the wild. Thank you for the distinction because I, I've definitely caught myself uh, in that kind of spin on like where I need to make sure that I deploy my static websites and what actually needs to go uh, when it comes to how dynamically complex that it is like I've definitely gotten like my sites mixed between the two like what do I do with Netlify and then what do I do with Heroku and like (laughs) which one needs to go where and everything it's it's been hell so (laughs) I've done that before and of course I'm speaking from the next perspective here but I think one of the things that also gets me confused is when you're working with scripts you might have a site that's that's uh that is server side rendered but certain scripts need to be actually set to SSR false and loaded after the fact in order to actually work. That's well, crazy. <laughs> it's it's a, it's the most confusing thing when I'm just like trying to dip my toes into Nux and I'm like I need to do what now? Yeah. And I could have my reasoning like completely wrong. That's just what my assumption is, is why it, you know, why it needs to happen. All I know is that I have to do set it to false and I learned where to put that. <laughs> as long as it works. Exactly. As long as it works. As long as the client's not going to ask me why this is set. But thankfully, the client is not a developer. So <laughs> no, not at all. 
Along similar lines, there's also routing. We talked about the routing where you can just create a file and that will create a page for you pretty much if you put a React component in it. So you could create like about.js within the routes directory and that's going to create an about page for you. But you can also do dynamic routing. So you could in square brackets do id.js. So it'd be like open square bracket id close square bracket.js. And that's going to allow you to create a route that would catch any ID. So if you do slash one, two, three, that will take you to the page for item with ID one, two, three. Oh, um, okay. That's smart. That's smart. So if you're doing something like e-commerce and you want to have a separate page for each of your items, mm. that would be how you would do that, which is really, really a nice thing to have built in. You can also kind of like layer them as well. Mm. So, you know, for example, in e-commerce, you have a collection of products and you have products within that collection. So you can have like slash collection slash Mm. the dynamic collection handle and then slash products and then have the actual product handle. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You can even do API routes as well. So there's this API directory and say you want to have a JSON rendered or something along those lines, you could put that in an API route. They look like express routes. And for example, I rewrote my portfolio site in Next.js. I haven't deployed it yet. I need to do that probably before this episode airs. I'll have it deployed and we'll see. Um, now you have a goal. Now I have yes. a goal. You have, I have to I'm hold just myself telling everyone when we're recording this, you have one week. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Yikes. Um, <laughs> But what I did is I made a JSON with all of my experiences and then I have that being served from an API route so that I don't have to have all that code in that same file or anything like that. Um, But that also would be the place where you could make a request to your API or something along those lines uh, if you wanted to do something fancy there. So I find that feature really nice to work with as well. I don't know if there's something with that like that with Nuxt or if it's just called something different. That's a good question. Because I've never heard of that before, but that is really cool. This server middleware property. Yeah. Okay. It says that there is API routes. Oh, okay. It might work a little bit differently, it looks like. Yeah. You might have to do some more configuration to get them working in Nuxt. Interesting. I like that it's, like, written, like, express. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if it is actually express or if it just looks like express. Because it says, like, uh, a custom API endpoint, a server middleware can also extend Express. So it literally references Express in this. Yeah. Isn't this great? Everyone listening to the podcast gets to learn alongside us. Yeah, exactly. This makes me think that, like, it's not necessarily Express. I don't know if you were trying to, like, be technical with it or not. But it, yeah, this makes sense to me. So it actually is... Express, I believe, but you can set up different resolvers. Okay, that that also makes sense. Okay, 
I got gotcha. Yes. Yeah, I should have looked this up before the episode, but I was writing them and I was like, this looks exactly like Express, so I don't really have to look it up because I've written <laughs> a million and one Express servers before. Um, but You're I, always you know, learning it, it, on the Ladybug podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like an Express route because it is one. There it is. Imagine that. Documentation. <laughs> I do like just kind of touching back on routing, though. Using something like Next and Nux, this is one of the biggest benefits. And oh, we yeah. touched on this during the de- developer experience. So it's like it gets it becomes a huge pain to have to do like the the more manual routing if you're going like if you're if you're manually well manually setting up your routes. Yeah, having these dynamic routings and the I don't know everything with with routing with Nuxt and Next is way better. Yeah. When working with something like Gatsby, it feels like you're writing a Gatsby app. Like you have to do everything in Gatsby. Whereas at least with my experience in Next, you can almost use it as like a create React app where it scaffolds your project for you and you have this great routing built in, but it doesn't really necessarily dramatically change every single other piece of your development process. At least it doesn't for me. For sure. I agree. Um, Other things that it has, hot reloading, which most better frameworks have built in at this point, but it is nice. It's fast. It works dependently, dependably. Um, also, CSS modules are built in, and you can use SAS really quickly as well, which I know you can now with Create React App, but that was a big limitation for a while that you couldn't. So that's a really nice feature to have that you can pretty much use SAS out of the box. I think you have to like NPM install SAS, but other than that, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. And yeah, and, and being, I, I don't know if this is actually like a, a next and next thing or if this is just React slash view is like the scoping that SAS to a particular component gets really, really handy when you're just being able to build things out quickly. And then the last thing that I wanted to shout out is that Next has these really amazing starters for sites. So they have specifically an e-commerce one that they have built out and it is gorgeous and it has so many amazing features built into it. It would definitely be something that I would look into if I were to build a e-commerce app, which I don't necessarily that <laughs> often, but uh, Kelly, <laughs> that seems to be your your Me, um, e-commerce your world. Yes. They have another one that they released too. I think it was a video or a conference site, I believe. Let me look this up. Yes. There's the Next.js Commerce. Maybe not. Maybe there's just the Next.js Commerce. Maybe I was wrong on that. Um, But while I was looking at this site, I saw that so many companies are already using Next.js. So they've got um, TikTok on here. They've got Twitch. They've got Hulu. They've got Nike. Oh, so it's not like this is this brand new thing that nobody's using yet. A lot of a lot of companies are already using Next. Maybe it has gotten a little bit more popular because of like everyone's kind of recent like website upgrades. I know that I've noticed like a complete stark difference in how like Hulu's UI has been over the past couple of months, and I'm just going to assume that it's because of Next. How about that? Maybe, maybe. Cool. I want to play with this. <laughs> <laughs> the the starter. This is what we do on the podcast, guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> just everything is, we can learn lessons well, here, all of I've, us, all together. Yeah. I mean, every headless commerce that I have built has been built with Vue, with the exception of the six months I built my headless site on uh, Gatsby. But I would definitely love to kind of play around with this and see see how it works. It's such a great developer experience. This will definitely be like my next little project as I go along and um, build another project that I'm super interested in for my portfolio. So you've you've basically convinced me this show <laughs> is all about me like listening to like what the benefits are of this. And like you've already convinced me. Sign me up. Where can people like find all of this like nice documentation? I feel like we should just make it obvious for everybody. Yeah, nextjs.org. Bam. It's awesome. And if you so, want to be very specific, it's nextjs.org slash docs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, just to summarize again why Next.js is so great. Developer experience, the documentation is great. The coding experience is really great as well. But then it's also super performant. So performance comes first. And so your end user is going to have a really great time on your application as well. So you should play around with it and let us know what you think. And I don't think I have anything else to say about that. I would love to hear, Allie. Okay, I'm going to be devil's advocate for like two seconds. What do you not like about Next right now? Okay, I was trying to think of things while I was building a couple Next apps recently. And honestly, for me, I can't think of any that are Next specific. I think that there are definitely drawbacks to React as a whole. Like React can be pretty complex to learn and all of those complications. That being said, I have not come across anything with Next.js specifically where I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is a big problem on their end. I think there are a ton of really great resources. There's great tooling. There's great features built into it. And I can't wait to see how it evolves, too, because it's relatively new. I have one. Yeah. The name is too close to Nuxt. <laughs> they should all diversify their names. Yeah. I, I mean, I have the same I'd complaint about Nuxt, to be fair. So Yeah. yeah. That's but a big it's one. It's worth mentioning. Wait, we have to find some kind of downside, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've just been like hearing them known or named as the N star star T family of frameworks, which makes a lot more sense written. But it's like <laughs> N, two wild card letters, and then T. And they're all kind of related. <laughs> There's a right. JS too, and I'm not really sure what that one does, but it's how we talked right. about this. That is, yeah. that's gross. Oh, yeah. Um, and we also talked, yeah, we talked about Toast. Toast? As well. Yes. But that doesn't follow the same naming convention. But yeah. Um, you want to do some shout outs? Let's do it. Well, cool. uh, Sydney, why don't you go first? Yeah. Okay. Let me think about this. So last time we had actually talked about this, guys, uh, Miss Kelly had like totally ruined my night and said that the Netflix show Teenage Bounty Hunters was actually canceled after one season. So thanks for that, Kelly. I appreciate it. But my shout out, I think, let me see. I am so grateful. This is a shameless plug. I'm grateful, shout out to myself, that I have been able to, with the help of you awesome ladies, 
We have our Ladybug Podcast YouTube channel finally up and running. So if you guys are looking for a little bit of nostalgia as well as our new episodes, make sure that you check out our YouTube channel. We will link that in the description box. Description box. We will link that in the show notes. We will also <laughs> link all of our previous. button. Right. <laughs> Make sure that you press that subscribe button, notification bell, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Allie, do it. (laughs) (laughs) My shout out is to our editor, Chris. He is amazing. He always gets the things that we need done, even when we are very difficult clients. And he also (laughs) does my YouTube videos as well. So I have Chris hired on the side as well. but (laughs) And Kelly does too. Yep. Yeah. Chris <laughs> so. edits both Ladybug Podcast and Commerce Tea. Nice. So Chris is doing a lot of hours for us and he just always gets everything done better than we expected. So my shout out goes to him. Kelly, how about yours? So my shout out uh, was spoiled by Sydney. <laughs> my, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my shout out is totally fine. Um, is Teenage Bounty Hunters. It is a, a one season series on Netflix that is really fun to watch it's 10 episodes um highly recommend it's like a like a coming of age slash comedy slash action ish drama that is, is all completely all of full of action like just it is very I mean, they're bounty hunters so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a fu- it's a fun watch and i even though it got canceled after one season which really should not have can- got canceled after one season but it's 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 well worth a watch still so highly recommend I wonder if we'd be able to start a petition on that. Is that something that we could successfully do with our listeners? <laughs> Dear Netflix. Right. <laughs> the Ladybug podcast demands that you oh bring back Teenage <laughs> We should pull what Emma happens to Emma all the time whenever anything happens with like Spotify where everybody DMs her and asks her that something's wrong with Spotify. <laughs> hey, did you, you do that for all the Netflix engineers? Like, yeah. hey, <laughs> yo, Netflix engineer, we need this show back up. <laughs> I know you're purely focused on the front end experience of, of the website, but I really need you to get this show back Yeah, up. you need to <laughs> contact your coworkers here. <laughs> so funny. Amazing. Hey, Sydney, do you want to close this out? I do. If you liked this episode, tweet about it. We'll select one tweeter to win a copy of Dave Sedia's book, Pure React, this week. We also post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure that you subscribe to be notified. And I would love if you would leave us a five-star review. That's on Apple Podcasts, that's on Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcast. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm just going to shamelessly plug that in as well because there's no shame. (laughs) We are up. We are running. I am so excited to be here. I'm always just going to say I'm grateful and excited to be here with you guys. This has been Sydney. This has been Allie. And this has been Kelly. Thank you so much for being here, listening to us. This is the Ladybug Podcast, and we'll see you next week.